0: But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat in the house. It's, it's a got fork, a runway in the front yard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I have no idea how to start this. So uh, I could say, I, I, it occurs to me to go, ho, 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 ho oh, I don't know, Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fine.
1: How, my- <laughs> how did Rudolph get his red nose?
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, huh? To much uh, eggnog have you seen this is well no this is not aviation how to make this an aviation thing oh i know how to make this an aviation thing um so santa claus has a pilot's license you know this is a story that probably comes up every christmas Um, no yeah david no i think it was david here who uh who uh found a uh, what to me is a different take on the whole story uh was it you david Uh, yeah it was david um What's the story here David there's a picture of Santa receiving his pilot's license? Yeah, from 1937.
2: 1937. Okay. I'm sorry, 1927. 1927. 20, 27. So what did he do from from
0: well, okay, this begs the whole question, right? Cuz Santa's been flying as I think you pointed out David, Santa has been flying for a long much longer than than pilot's well, license even existed.
1: This gets into a, a... You know, an interesting area, of course.
2: Yeah. Um. I hope
0: so, please. Okay. Yeah. Because we we dying here. Uh, <coughs> oh, excuse me.
2: Um, too, th- too much nog this early in the morning. Yeah. I know, yeah. Huh? So,
1: um, how does it, what's his license for? What's the rating on his license? Uh,
0: there is that question too. You know. Okay. For,
1: so, I mean, the um,
0: multi reindeer
1: with IFR. Yeah. You know. The, 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 I mean, powered flight is one thing, but um, flight that is powered by uh, an animal or a group of animals isn't really a thing. It's it's kind of like you know a pedal pedal powered airplane or something like that. You you're, you have a, a living being powering it rather than an engine mm-hmm. uh, or or, or uh, some other contraption. Um,
2: I've never, I, I, I've never seen a multi-engine ticket for eight engines, but I know there had to be one for the Spruce Goose. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, and that gets back to the old, you know. Why do I only fly on four engine airplanes? It's because there are no five engine airplanes. Five engine airplanes.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, or the,
2: the, uh, the story about the B fifty two crew coming in. And yeah, the dreaded
1: uh, seven engine approach. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <that. laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, or, or sitting in uh, sitting in uh, uh, Tallahassee, sitting on the ramp at Tallahassee a few years, several years ago, and listened to. A, a guy making uh, calls coming in, and he's talking to the tower, and he's a Boeing coming in on one engine, and everybody gets their back up, and the vehicles start to pull out and then it turns on final and it's a steerman right right yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so uh. But yeah so what's Santa's uh Santa's uh you know
0: I mean I guess the Santa's sleigh is 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 the ultimate what experimental amateur built I guess well right?
2: the, yeah and I, I can't remember how many years ago that uh, there were stories going around about how Santa got the FAA to sign off the sled as an experimental amateur built yeah 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 but then of um, course there's
0: there's any number of of uh, instances where we've seen Santa carrying a passenger um in the sleigh which of course that then that becomes problematic i don't right? remember seeing him oh that's right that's injured. it's i'm sorry I, this side of
1: playboy build. magazine anyway yeah no no no
0: no no, <laughs> <laughs> no he's kind of taking he's got an elf being come, coming along with him you know or no or a, it's yeah. a
1: solo operation
0: at the end of the uh it doesn't uh the kid the dentist kid actually go along for a ride in the sleigh at the end oh, of you're talking
1: about you're talking about that,
0: well, that, that, that. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. You say that you say I'm. T- wait a minute. Are you making a distinction between stories about Santa and real life Santa? Is that what you're doing here?
1: Um, let's call it a tra- <laughs> the, the the traditional uh-huh. version, okay. of Santa's I mean, Christmas Day travels.
0: Because real Santa would never break the FARs, right? Yeah. Well, okay. th- 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 how I'm, do we know I'm,
2: that? How do we know that that passenger isn't there as a check airman? Well, no, 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 no.
1: <laughs> I, I, I reject the theory that um, he has to be certificated in the first place. First oh, okay. of all, yeah. what what uh, um, organization, which agency governs aircraft operation over the North Pole?
2: Uh, oh, okay, North uh, Pole. I don't that was, know. Is it like, ICAO? I, I, that, yeah, I was going to say ICAO would be the closest I could think okay, of.
1: Okay, but which, which state of ICAO, member of ICAO, has jurisdiction over the North Pole.
0: Well, okay, I got to figure. Doesn't doesn't the North Pole, isn't it governed by like, green, seriously, by Greenland or something like that? There's a nation that has jurisdiction over the North Pole, I'm pretty sure. It's a sure. shame
1: we don't have some
0: defense.
2: Yeah, I know. Okay, alright. Well, okay. Canada handles a lot of the airspace issues. Uh, overflights coming in from Europe, uh, their air traffic controllers are the ones that handle some of that, if memory serves me right. And, oh good s- somebody's calling on my phone and I remembered to mute the sucker uh, <laughs> here we go uh, what I wanna, what I know is how does Santa s- handle 24 hours sitting behind eight exhaust systems <laughs> Yeah, okay well that's a that's a thing too
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. Jeb, have you found it? I found there's actually something.
1: A, there's actually a Wikipedia page. <laughs>
0: but of course. <laughs> but of course.
1: Territorial uh, claims in the Arctic. Okay? Yep. Um And basically this says that uh, all land, international waters, territorial seas, and uh, exclusive economic zones yeah. in the Arctic are under the jurisdiction of one of the eight Arctic coastal states. Canada, Norway, Russia, Denmark via Greenland, Iceland, Sweden, Finland, and the United States. Wow. Yeah. So we have to have a a, G8 meeting, so to speak, (laughs) just to figure out whether his sled is a a, a Part 103 ultralight. It's
0: not the G8. It's the, what? It's the... A8, the, R- the A8, A8, yes. Yeah, yes. A8. Um, yeah. But it says one of these, so how, how does that, what are they, rotate It doesn't say which
1: one. <laughs> now, it could be that it's like slices of a pie.
2: Yeah, and I oh. think that's how it works. Oh, really? It well, depends that... on what airspace you're coming from is, is how that starts.
1: But, 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 Wikipedia page goes on. Yeah. Under international law, mm-hmm. the North Pole... And the region of the Arctic Ocean surrounding it are not owned by any country. Right.
2: Okay. Yeah. 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 That we understood that.
1: So, the certification is, of an aircraft humanity. in in that region seems to be, shall we say, a gray area. Yes. That's my position, and I'm sticking
2: to it. It's yeah, yes. a whiteout area. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But I'm, what I want to know is where could anybody possibly do a ramp check?
1: Well, there's that absolutely that because you know there ain't no ramps, right?
2: Well, yeah, and, and what so, ra- what there is in, of a ramp in the wintertime is constantly moving. <laughs> that too,
0: that too. Um, you know, there, then be, then there's the question of whether or not um, you know they recognize basic med up there. That could be a problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, do they have to have? Does ADSB in that arena in that airspace have to have diversity?
2: There you go. Rural okay. airspace, man. The, t- it, the answer to that one is yes. Probably and, so. Yeah. Or only it's called- only above two nine zero. Ah, right. Okay. Right. We're, or as it's saved. called in in the Arctic, rural rural, rural airspace. And, um, yeah. you know, this is this is something for the uh, for the medical specialist because we know Santa flies high enough to need oxygen, but I've never seen an image of him with a mask on. Now, how do we know that?
1: How do we know he flies that high?
2: I know. You know? Well, if he's gotta clear the mountains in some parts of the world, he's gonna to have to get that high. I okay. think
1: he I think he's got like the, the mother of all terrain following radars.
2: Now that could be. Okay. Maybe that's what that red nose really is. Maybe it's a radar dish. I think it's exactly or, what it, it, it is. It's an right? infrared emitter. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh you know or that's he could ADSB
1: nose. Well, another thing going on here with all this is flight duty time rules.
0: Oh, well, that's, yeah. Yeah, Now, now
1: he may not be a commercial operation, but conservatively, he's spending 30-some-odd hours.
0: Yeah, okay. All right. This is Christmas in the 21st century. It's definitely a commercial operation.
1: Well, that's uh, a cynical joke. I don't think so, man. What what compensation does he receive?
2: (laughs) The love of millions of children worldwide. Uh, that's, non, that's, that's non-tangible. Can't, can't yeah. count that as... How do you value that? Yeah, I mean, do, are the parents paying a share of the fuel? It's now, you could argue price. that.
0: Um, but as that, far as the whole yeah. terrain thing and where he's located and how he finds his position, now, uh, assuming he has Wi-Fi on board the sleigh, all right, um, then he could be constantly referring to NORAD's tracking website um, in order to determine his location. So, oh I do hope we put that link
2: in there, didn't we? Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. It's uh I haven't looked at this site in a few years, but it seems like it's getting more and more elaborate. Um yeah. it's it's basically become this kind of video game now. Um where, where, uh, so this is a Norad uh NoradSanta.org, which you know um your tax dollars at work. Yeah. It 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 like all I know is that there's a button here. Well there's a there's a category called games that you can play. Movies. Um, music. Y- yeah. There's a so, library.
1: Norad HQ.
0: Let's click that and see what happens. What do you get when you do that?
1: Well, you get um, some conventional stuff, but there's one link here. It's Secret Santa Files.
0: Ooh. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Norad HQ. Here we go. And... Uh,
1: Um, Interesting. Um, This page just kind of discusses how NORAD got into the business of tracking Santa.
2: Yeah. Well, somewhere, several places around the globe, there has to be an intermodal facility so that he can restock. You know, land, take on new, drop it off in chimneys, land, take on new. Drop it off in chimneys. Uh, uh, David. I don't know, David. Your sense of magic is really sad, all right, or lack of sense of magic, all right. It's magic. Oh, but is how those how all those inter- intermodal stations got there is the magic part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's just all you know. <laughs> it's magic. It's sort of in, I don't in, in addition to actually nine tiny reindeers, if you count Rudolph, and yeah. and, and his infrared nose. Uh, Wait. Wait, Rudolph yeah.
1: is not one of the eight? Rudolph is the ninth reindeer? Uh, I'm just finding this out?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now I, It
0: could be true. That could be true. Well, that uh, was
2: Santa asked, you know, the the, the other eight are saying, man, it, we're below minimum, so I'm not flying. See? So now, uh, now we're Santa talking turns, about. Santa turns turns to Rudolph and says, well, can you see through this stuff? And he goes, oh, yeah, man, I've, I've got enhanced vision.
0: See, so now we're talking about an STC in order to change the aircraft from eight engines to
2: nine engines. Um, well, it's experimental. It, 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 all he has to do is sign it off.
1: Okay, well, there's there's another Wikipedia page.
2: <laughs> What's that? What Set, does this one Santa Claus's reindeer,
1: okay? Yeah. Uh, we have Dasher Dancer, Prancer Vixen, Comet Cupid, Dunder, apparently Donner or Dunder or whatever, yeah. and Blixem or Blitzen. Okay? Yeah. Rudolph. And the Rudolph is a twentieth. Yeah. Rudolph is this. a twentieth-century inclusion. So, one, two, three, four, five, five,
2: five. Yeah. Rudolph is the ninth reindeer. The ninth reindeer. He's the ninth reindeer. Yeah. Okay. Well, there That's you go. Kind of like a nine-nine-cylinder radial that just goes around and around. Yeah. Well, yeah right. Well, because an eight-cylinder radial wouldn't work, right? Pretty sure that's the case. I, I well, it could it could work as a flat as a flat eight, like the uh, uh, Lycoming uh, IO seven twenty. No, but that's not a radial. That's just the way radial. radial right. That's a um, flat engine, but it's eight cylinders. But, so, right.
1: So why do radials have to have an odd number of cylinders? Uh,
0: I used to know this, but I'm pretty sure it's true. It has to do with the way the connecting rods connect to that central shaft, and they would actually collide and bind up if there was an even. It has to be an odd. There's something about an odd number that's magical in terms of the. I think balance.
2: Balance. No, I I I, I think it has question of balance.
0: No, I think it has to do with the the way the connecting rods. Uh, I'll figure this out, and I'll take this as a homework assignment. Uh, Ah, Anyways, that's
1: easy. According to Wikipedia, again, I'm you know um, um, (laughs) radial four stroke radial engines have an odd number of cylinders so that an every other piston firing order can be
0: maintained. Ah, okay. There you go. Wait a minute. Wait Shazam. a minute. Every other? Oh, right. And it comes around. Okay, I yeah. see what you're saying. It comes,
1: yeah. around comes around, so to speak. Yeah, right. Okay.
0: Because if it was every even number, every other would skip half of them. Um, yeah, okay. All right. It's sort of like tightening the bolts when you put the tire back on your car.
1: This has been another edition
0: of Fun with <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> Fun with Wikipedia. <laughs> all kidding aside, public service <laughs> announcement here. Um just this past week I made my annual donation to Wikipedia. Everybody should yes, I indeed. this is my personal view, I'm not even speaking for uncontrolled airspace. This is Jack saying everyone should make a contribution um periodically to Wikipedia. We obviously it is obviously, all kidding aside, it is obviously a very valuable resource. Um I think informationally, but maybe only entertaining wise. The point is it's valuable. And they need money. It's not magic. It's not magic. Um, And uh, if you, you know, it's probably pestering you these days for a donation, and you should do it. Um, And and I give them, I don't don't give them very much. I probably should feel guilty. I give them 20 bucks a year. um, And that's a huge bargain in terms of what I get out of Wikipedia. Um, Make your Wikipedia donation. That's what I have to say about this. Uh, Santa. Okay, well... Make, make so, your
1: Wikipedia donation at the
0: same time you make your donation to UCAP. Yeah, well, that's... But many people do that, and we thank exactly. them for that. That's terrific. Exactly. But uh, you should also support Wikipedia. Um, okay, well, so clearly Santa needs to call the tower because he's, like, making... Doing some stuff that's pretty dicey, um, regulation-wise. Which and- tower? <laughs> I- <laughs> yeah,
1: you know... Um, <laughs> He, he, maybe check in with the FISDO, but even then, which FISDO?
2: Which FISDO? Well, maybe you know there there may be a tower at, the, at Santa's Lodge at, at the North Pole, but as we discussed previously, the North Pole is constantly in motion. Uh, it's it's a wonder Santa ever gets ever finds his way home.
1: Um, yeah, you lined up for runway three six. No, no, that's runway three five. No, no, it's now it's three four. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs>
0: welcome folks <laughs> to uncontrolled airspace more general, uncontrolled than ever uh, the uh, the uh, general aviation podcast uh, i'm jack hodgson coming to you today from uh, the beautiful downtown uh, dover new hampshire on the banks of the uh, ever industrious cochico river and uh, where it's a beautiful day but the weather's just up and down up and down it was like uh, um, it was like almost 60 degrees two days in a row um earlier this week and then and then it dropped down and it snowed and it got to 20 last night and jeb's just laughing at us <laughs> i'm just i'm trying to keep it straight here yeah, I, i'm here in our virtual hangar talking to my two good friends um mostly about aviation but sadly not always and uh, <laughs> although some people think that's the best part of the podcast uh one of those voices out there in our virtual hangar is uh from uh, somewhere near sarasota florida that's jeb burnside good morning jeb how are you good. doing
1: i'm good i'm good i'm sitting here barefoot in shorts um and
0: hate you. Just uh, hate you. I yeah. know,
1: I know. Uh, the, the weather's been kind of eh the uh, last couple of days. I was trying to get out and do some aviating yesterday, some training and whatnot, but we were pretty much socked in here till like 10 a.m., and mm-hmm. I had stuff to do in the afternoon, so we had to kind of stick a fork in that. Uh, today, uh, about 1,000 over, it'd be great to go out and, and shoot approaches, Yeah, but I'm will. here talking to you guys, so,
2: oh, well. you know... So you're shooting something else instead of... Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, uh, yeah, we all squander our morning in one way or another. That other voice out there, of course, is uh, from a much more uh, normal part of the country, climate-wise. Wichita, Kansas, the air capital of the world. That's Dave Higdon. Good morning, David. How are you doing?
2: Uh, So far, so far. Uh, We've got a high layer here. It's not exactly pretty, but it was gorgeous yesterday. It's... uh, in the mid-40s, it's tolerable, and lots of room to get worse between now and when Santa flies again. hmm yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it, 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 I mean,
0: it's climate change. It's all over the place, and uh, it's in it's 60, and it's 20, three days in a row, um, so that's the way it works. I was in, uh, you know, so I, I was in uh, Mobile, Alabama, or the Mobile Bay area, if you will, um, for work um, a few days above, we, last week and on the morning i returned um i left the hotel in the mobile area where it was like 70 degrees uh and i got on an airliner and by the time i got back to manchester new hampshire it was 27 degrees and snowing um it was a it was a
1: there's your mistake yeah going back to manchester
0: (laughs) yeah well you know there's pros and cons but yeah the weather is definitely one of the cons uh it's uh, it's you
2: know and we talk about this but this this winter thing seems to happen every year about every this time. Every year, and that's the problem. See, I, winter would not be so bad up here. Winter would not
0: be so bad if it didn't happen every single year. All right, you know, it's like if we got some snow and some cold, you know, for one one you know one uh, um, you know December, January, February, uh, and then didn't happen again for five or six years. All right, that would be okay.
1: You know, well, that's very much. A you know, that's pl- that's in- incredibly doable. Yeah, that's Game you of Thrones. You, you just have to relocate, that's all.
2: Yeah, it's going to say Southern California, Florida. Yeah. The te- but I wouldn't point you toward the South Texas coast anymore because even they get snow sometimes. Yeah, you know. yeah. yeah. Do, do, what, my-
1: do what James
0: does. What's that? Oh, yeah, like well, he's just like snowbird, almost yeah, literally. Yeah, he summers,
1: know. And, you know, the... the uh, in in fall in in new york city and then uh around january 1 he he picks up stakes and, and moves yeah. to saint augustine for yeah i mean until and, and, you
0: know easter or something right and these days even my beloved central and northern california um have adventurous weather um with well you know not just weather but climate things you know with the fires and the right and it's like raining like crazy out there these days and Anyways, okay, weather, um, but uh, it's it's reasonably okay where I am, and uh, um, and you know
2: I'll survive. Probably, we'll see. Well, uh, my my adventure will start tomorrow morning early, and what's the farther that? east I go, the more likely it is I'm going to run into frozen precip. But... Uh, that's right. You're making your your annual pilgrimage to to you
0: know your spawn. <laughs> I don't know. See, if you were a <laughs> salmon, I would say you're returning to spawn, but I'm pretty sure that's not happening. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, headed back to the Ohio River Valley, hey, there you Southern go. Indiana, yeah, to vis- visit family and your friends,
2: and yeah, I, yeah. Pretend I'm on vacation for a week, and, and you're driving again. Yeah, right? yeah, okay, yeah. I'm going to put the little red coupe on the road. It's all which, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Which vehicle?
0: Because I know you have uh, different style vehicles these days.
2: Yeah, well, I've got two two all-wheel drive vehicles, so I'm set with either one, uh, but. The the little red coupe that I bought a few years ago, it gets a much better gas mileage than the uh, Honda Element. And interestingly for me, they both have the same size gas tanks, 16 gallons and change. The Honda, I got to stop for gas twice. The little red coupe, only once. Okay. It's just uh, that, that dramatic a difference in gas mileage, but it does make a, a, a nice difference in how long it takes me to get there driving-wise if I miss all the traffic that I I, right. I hope to miss by getting right. out of here at 5 a.m. Yeah. Well, have fun.
0: Be careful about that. I know the, tra- the weather has been, been icy in past trips. So because... Oh, yeah,
2: for about three days now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah.
0: Anyways. All right. Uh, aviation stuff here. Let's see. Uh, so a couple of follow-ups here. Um, the first follow-up is me kind of, you know, eating some crow. Uh, I So I think it was last episode we talked about the Mooney, I'm going to make finger quotes here, shutdown. Um, and at the time, I, I think I probably characterized it as being, I thought at the time that this was more or less permanent thing, that this was the final thing and of mooney, mooney all right that and that was the way I, I i sort of framed the story when we talked about it in the last episode and you guys in retrospect thinking back on it you guys tried to correct me and i'm like going no 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 but it turns out you were right and i was wrong that never happens um and uh and uh, mooney's apparently kind of brought back some or all of their uh, their uh, factory people right what's the latest on that
2: Well, they're making parts again. They're making airplanes again was the last thing I saw. Uh, They started bringing people back uh, a little over a week ago and uh, getting their machinery back in motion and hoping to have airplanes selling. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. So... And it didn't – I mean, again, I was so off base because this – it not only was not permanent, it was hardly very long at all. It hardly lasted, what, a week, two weeks, something like that, three weeks? Not two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean – Happy for Mooney. Happy for all the Mooney owners. I mean, did they, did they
1: file bankruptcy
0: or did they just take a two-week vacation? I think it was just your basic furlough to kind of probably throttle expenses a little bit. Yeah, I, that's what it seems like now. At the time, it seemed pretty dire, but I guess I wasn't reading the story right. So, um, so you know, you know, Mooney's dead. Long live Mooney, or
2: whatever that saying is, right? Well, it's nice to see that. There's M-20 series airplanes to, uh, back coming down the production line at Kerrville. Uh, as it, I don't think there's an uh, airplane out there that m- more typifies efficiency on the wing than, than, than the Mooney M-20. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's good and my bad. Uh, apologies for misunderstanding that story, but I don't know. These things happen, I guess. Uh the other bit of follow up here is uh, so I again I think it was last episode uh we talked about this I don't know if it's proposed or already established but this UAV drone corridor up in the uh, Syracuse New York area um and uh, and we were just kind of like talking about what it was and or what we thought it was and 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 what it meant and all that kind of thing um and uh, we heard from a listener um a listener Stefan B um sent us an, an email um I'll, a bit of background here Stefan B is the same listener who uh I met at the Ucap brunch down in Nashua a few months back um who we had talked about had flown in in his uh, uh forget what aircraft it was but uh, uh I think he says it here where is it but anyways he um and uh and, and we were talking about him, him his IFR um operations um that was back then so this is the same uh, listener Stefan Stefan writes, uh, let's see now, Uh, just listening to UCAP 49, segment on a drone corridor between uh, KRME and KSYR. Let's see now. He says, since Syracuse is my home base, I thought I should comment. Um, I'm also uh, CCing Eric H., um, who was the other guy in the airplane that day. Uh, it was a TB-20, that's what it was. Uh, he actually works as a UAS pilot uh, with NU Air, I don't know what that is, in Rome. Um, so he might have even more details uh, on the Carter than I do, uh, Stefan writes. He says, well, number one, he says, at Syracuse, uh, we have been sharing the pattern with UAVs for a while now, he says. Uh, the 174th Attack Wing is based in Syracuse and flies MQ-9 Reaper's. Um, He says... Big
2: big drones.
0: Yeah, these are serious, uh, 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 you know, no no onboard pilot uh, aircraft. Uh, And and Stefan goes on to say, really, no big deal. He says you see and avoid them as usual. Um, ATC keeps them apart from you, no different than IFR. Uh, The only operational difference, he writes, is that you have to plan for a longer runway occupation time for the MQ-9 after landing, um, as the whole control handoff from flight to taxi takes longer than a ga aircraft taxiing off the runway that's kind of interesting um His second point here is, um, the point of the corridor is to allow BV loss, BVLOS, beyond visual line-of-sight flights. Um, All that changes, all that changes, he writes, is that instead of a visual observer providing a warning of a possible aircraft conflict, that warning is done via other means, he writes. I believe the corridor will be equipped with special radar and designed to track the often smaller UAVs, but he says I'll let Eric comment on that. Um, For that reason, I'm not sure the corridor will ever be charted on the sectionals he writes uh and then number three finally he says uh, all of the uav activity in the area really hasn't impacted ga in the area at all simply because the usual see and avoid is replaced by other equivalent or better he says methods for avoidance for other aircraft um so that's kind of interesting um much yeah much more of a of a nothing burger than i would have guessed or thought uh yeah, what do you think? Is this uh, new information here? Or what, what, what's your reaction to this?
2: Well, the details are good. Uh, yeah, I mean, knowing that they already were dealing with this on a uh, on a larger scale, uh, and a few years ago, when the first when the Air Force first flew some drones into uh, to display at at Air Venture, uh, we. Uh, had somebody on the show daily staff do a story about what the logistics were and the airplane the the uh the drone attack drone was escorted by another aircraft in flight that had control right and then there's a ground crew that landed it and taxied it into its parking space and it got towed to the parking space uh but uh, all of that was done with observers, human observers along the route, and we're seeing this progressive move toward being able to do that with technology, that observing with technology and not having to have airplanes fly alongside it, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things beyond be, be behind the uh, restrictions on beyond-visual line-of-sight flights right now. Uh, they can be done, and the FAA's allowed them, and... For example, utility companies have started uh, using that technology to inspect power lines with drones. And they started out with vehicles following along on the service roads, and now they're getting to the point where they can just let them do whole stretches of the power lines without somebody following along because mm-hmm. they can track it dif- differently. Yeah. There is an, an ads out system or two out there sized just for the smaller drones. So uh, that participation should not be uh, overlooked yeah okay yeah. jeb
1: i got
0: nothing um, yeah it co- sounds like we're things. a lot more yeah. okay with this than i would have thought we are well
1: it, it sounds like um you know now that there's some meat on that bone that we talked about in the last episode that uh, um you know kind of kind of have to kind of shrug our shoulders um going back to something dave said though um, again, I come back to there is no reason that drone, any drone, whether it's military, commercial, or consumer-grade, um, sold in the U.S. does not have an ADSB out chip in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, two years ago at Oshkosh, you know, there was a complete AD out, ADS-B-out solution on a chip that would not even take up as much space as your, your pinky finger fingerprint. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's smaller
2: than a postage stamp. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, and you know we we just don't have the will or the or, or the votes or whatever to 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 make that happen. Um, and there's a there's an ADSB out mode that is specifically designed for this type of of uh, um, usage, if you will, uh, this type of application. Uh, and why it's not being implemented, why it's not being used, I don't know.
0: Yeah okay all right well we'll see well this is going to continue to be a thing we'll talk about it more in the future i'm
2: absolutely certain well there's there's still other restrictions that apply to uh to a lot of these drone operations including some of the special purpose beyond visual line of sight stuff and one of them's a ceiling of 400 feet for, for most of those which in theory would keep them out of the uh the uh, airspace that we normally occupy and there's restrictions on how fly, how close to an airport that they can fly five right. miles without having contact and permission with the facility that handles that. Yeah. Uh, but then you get things like what happened in LA. The, right.
0: Uh, Let's talk about that. The, uh, so the story here is that a, uh, a television helicopter was struck by something, um, Um, in flight. uh, And uh, uh, it was apparently quite an event at at the moment. It did not disable the helicopter, but it kind of scared everybody on board. And so they quickly made a precautionary landing, got on the ground and saw damage to various points on the aircraft. I saw pictures of leading aircraft of what was sort of like as a horizontal stabilizer kind of thing, I think. Um, And uh, um, the, the conventional wisdom is that they struck a drone of some sort. Although last I heard, they haven't found any actual wreckage or evidence or anything like that have you heard anything more on that
1: no i haven't um, no no but I, I remember you know seeing some I, I remember seeing the the image that someone took of the we'll call it a horizontal stabilizer also i i don't know that that's the correct name for it on a right helicopter. yeah um but yeah something something clearly hit it there wasn't any blood or feathers attached to right. it so it's kind of not probably not a bird um we don't know what uh, the conditions were, what the the other specifics were. Was the helicopter below 400 feet,
0: you know, for example? If something tells me that I saw a story that said that it was not. Okay, uh, that's, that could well be. I, you know, I'm just kind of asking that more rhetorically than anything. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, uh, I was uh, flying, around, flying around downtown L.A. At, at 400 feet. could be problematic because uh, some of the buildings there are taller than that. Oh, now. sure. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's... And it, yeah, this is according, according they, to the. They've got uh, such great lights and zoom lenses on those machines that they don't really need to fly low at all, right? For a lot of their work.
0: The the uh, the ABC ABC seven. Let's see now, it's ABC seven com website, which is the story I'm looking at here. Says uh, the helicopter was flying at an elevation around eleven hundred feet. Okay, there you, Is what there the you story go. says. Um, so, uh, and and this is also there's the picture of the. Uh, horizontal whatever it is here yes. um so okay there we
2: go i mean well and there it doesn't look like it was a a, a reindeer hoof mark so we, <laughs> we,
1: <laughs> we, yeah
2: we, we could pretty much safely assume that it wasn't a, 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 a on the loose reindeer flying right. rogue yeah a rogue reindeer now there'd be a story
0: rogue reindeer there you go anyways all right well so I don't know what to say. Be careful out there. I don't know how you'd be careful about this kind of thing. I, you know, you wouldn't have a hard time seeing these things in the daytime, let alone at the nighttime. Um, the drone so pilots true. just need dr- drone know, pilots you know, need to be it, very, very responsible. Yeah, Jeff.
1: Real quickly, if if um, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer went rogue and wrote a book about it, he'd probably call it "Going
2: Rouge." Whoa, Padok. I was talking with uh I was talking with a uh someone I was talking
0: with a non-pilot um uh a few days back a non-pilot who has an airplane in the family um and I said I said you know, you, you got to like follow through and take flying lessons, learn how to fly. You, you know, you get this. And he says, he says, yeah, it's just it's expensive. And I say, yeah, I know it's expensive, but you know. It's, he says, you know, it would cost me like eighteen thousand dollars to get my pilot's license. And I said, up. whoa, what, what kind of airplane talking? does
1: the does the family own? I, it's, uh,
0: it, it's uh, a. <laughs> Comanche. It's a Comanche. Right? Okay. It's not an elaborate, crazy airplane. And so I, I challenged him on this. And I said, $18,000? I no way. What? Maybe $18,000 to get all the way to IFR. But even that's a lot of money. All right. Um, he says, no, no, just to get a private. And I'm saying, no, I think you're yeah. mistaken. That's not yeah. right. And yeah. and it's not right, right. I mean, I guess from your reaction, you agree with me. That's not.
2: I'm, that's, yeah. uh, you know around here I see advertising yeah. uh mostly at airports but sometimes at restaurants uh where pilots have been known to frequent and uh you know we, you can finance your private pilot instructions and uh they'll get you your private uh with the ground school written exam and a check ride for 10 10,000 yeah yeah, I think, uh,
1: and that's at retail rates for right exactly the that, yeah. and, and that also
2: is, pays for the airplane, right? Well, yeah, it's, it's coming to that. That's renting, right? A a, a one seventy two s, hundred and eighty horse one seventy two with a Garmin G one thousand panel in it, and around here, that's that's one hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty bucks an hour, right? To rent a one seventy two in that condition, and I go, you know, you can do this and a much older 172, mm-hmm. forgo the glass panel until you're ready, ready to move into that world and do it for probably five to six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's okay. renting the airplane and renting the instructor. Or you can do what some of us have been known to do and find the ideal trainer and buy it. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And I guarantee you it will be less expensive because then you're not renting the airplane. Uh, you are paying for gas and insurance, of course and 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 finance on it, but we calculated us buying the Cherokee One Forty, in which I got licensed uh and doing the flying and our out of pocket expenditures, including payments on the airplane uh we got it done for about forty five hundred dollars, mm-hmm. but I bought block time from the flight instructor you know mm-hmm. they say, I will pay this much an hour for forty hours. And we run when we run over that, I'll well, augment it. And he gave me a good a good rate, and we were off to the races. Uh, we set up a fuel account at the airport, and that let us pay about a quarter a quarter of thirty cents a gallon less than the uh, roll up price. And this was before self service came along. Mm-hmm. Uh, And the instructor, the airplane uh, payment, the insurance on it, and uh, by the way, we did this in 43 days, I'm sorry, 33 days, and uh, so I only had to count the the airplane payment and the insurance for one month toward that. Uh, But since then, I've talked to other guys that have uh, bought 150 and 152 Cessnas and 172s and... uh, Oh, just a, a host of simple airplanes, uh, like the uh, the Tiger, the Grumman Tiger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, so it can be done much cheaper, clearly. Right. And
0: that's if you're going for a private pilot. Um, you could go for a sport pilot, which uh, you probably might save even
2: more, right? Because the the uh, the uh, the curriculum is shorter, right? The, the Curriculum is shorter, but if you're going to be, re- you, you, if you're going to buy a, a light sport aircraft to do it. Uh, you're probably going to pay a little bit more than uh, you could get the typical 172 or Cherokee for. But the backside of this is when you're done and you start building up hours and looking at moving into your instrument rating, you can put that airplane up for sale and get the majority of your investment back. Right. uh, As long as you put it on the line for sale in as good a condition as you bought it. Right. Uh, In our case, it was in better condition than when we bought it. Right. We bought it for eighteen thousand. We made some upgrades, and, and we had it for twenty-two months, uh, and sold it for twenty-five. Yeah, and that just about broke us even on all the time that we had owned it—the three hundred and thirty-five hours that we'd put on it in those twenty-two months. Uh, there are ways around this, and as as Jack points out, light sport is an avenue worth pursuing because now at least that time gets recognized toward your private right right so, so not 18000 more like five or six is is right if you if if you if you shop and search and, and do your due diligence uh you don't have to pay 18000 you don't have to pay 12 uh but it's going to take work i mean yeah. it's not as easy as going down and saying okay here's my credit card sign me up you're yeah. Yeah. gonna want learn to walk about out people. A,
1: I, yeah here's my credit card I want to walk out with a private pilot certificate yeah right yeah, no,
0: that yeah. Work okay that way. all right moving on here uh electric flow plane this is kind of an interesting story the uh, um, and I, I think we talked about this on an episode some time ago that this was a proposed thing and 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 this was just sort of a what first flight proof- of-concept flight thing right. but this uh, 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 Jeb, I think you put this on the list tell us what's the story with this
1: well there uh, there's uh, two things going on here, um, and um, um, one of them is uh, converting uh, a de Havilland beaver from a radial engine to, to an electric motor for, for its power plant. Um, and that's not an, certainly not an inconsiderable uh, endeavor by anybody, um, but at the same time, um, it... Uh, uh, it kind of, sort of, has been done. Okay, there's, there's, you know, a handful of aircraft out there that have been converted uh, from from a gasoline engine to uh, to a battery powered motor. Um, it's all, you know, experimental. Um, this is uh, so, some people are calling this the first uh, flight of a of a electric powered commercial airplane, um, and I'm not sure that's. Technically correct, but be that as it may, mm-hmm. um, this operator, uh, Harbor Air, which is uh, um, Avweb is calling the world's largest seaplane-based airline on the, based in British Columbia, um, hmm. has, okay. has has remoted, shall we say, uh, one of their beavers uh, on floats, and uh, is getting was getting ready to fly it. Apparently, this this happened yesterday
2: um right. and uh yesterday uh, day before yeah but recently it was, Very recently. It was scheduled for uh, it was scheduled for yesterday whether yeah. it,
1: or the day before uh whether it's happened i pre- i presume it has i i did see something to the effect that yeah this happened uh right. well I, actually uh,
0: i saw a youtube video of it landing okay okay so i think it's happened
1: okay and and i think that's i think that's correct also um so the the uh it, it what is being advertised is the first flight of an electric powered commercial aircraft. Mm-hmm. And that may well be true. Now I remember talking here a few months back about, um, Cape air. Yeah. That's the
0: one I wanted, to which ask you. is ahead.
1: the one, uh, that fly. They have two basic service areas. One is the Nantucket area. They, they serve Nantucket from, I don't know, Boston Logan or something.
0: Probably. Yeah.
1: Um, they, they've been doing it for decades with Cessna 402 equipment, uh, which, you know, they're not making 402s anymore, and those, those aircraft are getting kind of long in the tooth. So Cape Air um, uh been casting around for another, another platform, and to their great credit, they decided that to interview or at least entertain the idea of going electric. And I don't remember the, the manufacturer. I want to say it's um, um, Technam. Uh, But I I don't think that's exactly correct. At any rate, they have contracted with uh, a European manufacturer to deliver X number of electric-powered twin-engine airplanes to serve their uh, short-distance routes. They also serve um, the Naples, Florida area. I think they serve Naples to Key West and maybe Naples to Miami or something like that.
0: Um, um, Cape, Cape Air? Cape Air. Yeah, Yeah, according to their website, they do uh, Boston to Nantucket, Boston to Portland, Maine, Uh Martha's Vineyard to JFK, Uh uh, San Juan to Nevis, so that's down in the Caribbean, Uh um, and then uh, um, Owensboro to Nashville, which is an interesting. That is an interesting route. Um, Kind of, I mean, I'm sure that's a very valuable route, but it's kind of out of keeping with the others. It It is. Doesn't doesn't fit together in my mind. That sounds like a uh, oh, and then Billings to Sydney. Billings would be Montana, right? Uh-huh. And Sydney's Sydney probably not Australia, but um, probably not. Um, hmm. It's actually spelled differently too. Yeah. So.
1: The punchline, the punchline yeah. is that uh, Cape Air is is I think kind of ahead of the game here a little bit, mm-hmm. and is in uh, whether or not there has been a test flight of what Cape Air is interested in buying. I don't know. Yeah. That would be the determining the determining right. factor. Um And my understanding is that the, the, the uh, Cape Air platform is a clean sheet of paper design as opposed to taking a legacy aircraft and sticking a motor in it uh, and some batteries. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who wins the race to have the first commercial, I'm sorry, the first electric powered commercial aircraft in service? Is is another matter, and it looks right. like Harbor Air will be that operator because they're they've got a, a leg up with a tried Trident yeah. airf- airframe already. Yeah. Uh, um, so I don't know. That's that's where we are on that that particular topic.
0: Yeah. Cool stuff. Yeah. El- electricity is the future. Yes. Electricity is the future.
1: I, how do you do the run up on that though?
0: <laughs> I'm sure it's a whole different procedure. Talk about single uh, single lever control. Yeah. Really. Uh, so, uh, all right. Uh, FAA has published a uh, a list of medications. Um, Over-the-counter medications. Over-the-counter medications. I, I'm just, I, I guess the only reason I put this on the list is because I'm suspicious of it. Um, I, I don't think it's quite as straight. First of all, the list isn't really a list, is it? It's kind of a list of categories, I think. Um, it's not a list of individual medications. It's a list of categories with examples. I've always been suspicious of these medication lists because I I discovered a long, long time ago. You know, everyone talks about the list of prohibited medications. um, And I believe it's AOPA publishes an actual list that's based on the FAA regs, or at least they used to. Um, but in all of these things, FAA never had a list of medications. They had a list of criteria uh-huh. um, of types of medication. And this seems to be an extension of that. Um, what, you guys know anything more about this? Is this real? Is this useful? Is this Well, there's an, uh, it's, it's interesting. This came up for this episode.
1: But um, when I was working on the, the most recent issue of uh, aviation safety, um, I, I delved into this for, uh, as a, kind of a sidebar. Um, and there's a list, a published list on the FA website, of um, how should I say, prescription meds mm-hmm. that are you know a go/no go thing. And um, the other thing going on in that particular uh, link and, and going on here also has to do with, uh, I don't know, you call it the half-life or, or, or whatever, of a prescribed medication. You can take a, a prescribed medication um, or one that f- the FAA has not sprinkled holy water on um, as long as you don't fly with it. Okay, mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we are on this this particular link that you're, you're showing us. Um, there is an expressed and... Um, um let me me rephrase that there is a defined um time after you stop taking the medication between which you cannot fly during which you cannot fly right uh and that extends uh on this chart here 30 40 or and or
0: 60 hours right right it's very variable um and uh no and nowhere's near as simple as the legendary bottle, you know, eight hours bottle of throttle. Kind oh, of thing, Exactly. Which, exactly. Which which was also oversimplified, but yeah. Um so anyways, there's a list. I don't even know why I brought it up. I just I'm, i I yeah. don't know what it well, means exactly.
1: I guess the punchline is if you're sick, don't fly. If you're taking a med that you've never taken before or that is not something that you listed on your your medical application um, research it before you fly again for the, mm-hmm. for the half-life uh, value or whatever. Right. And then um, um, be careful out there.
0: Right. And that advice, I think, is is good advice regardless of whether you're flying under a traditional third-class or second- or first-class m- uh, medical or basic med or anything. Yeah. Um, this all comes under the category of, of self-certification, which – Everybody is subject to, regardless.
1: Well, and that's that's exactly right. Um, we've all been self-certifying. You know, let, let me back up. Anybody with a conventional medical certificate, and anybody, anybody years ago, anybody yeah. with a conventional medical certificate was self-certifying because all that medical certificate says is that on day X, the date on right. the on the on the certificate, you passed your medical certificate. Uh, you passed the requirements, um, doesn't say that you continue to be fit for flight. Right.
0: Yeah. So... Anyways, I I guess if nothing else, this lists like this, stories like this just should raise our awareness, just as you said a moment ago, you know, be careful if you're, if you're, you know, if you're sick, maybe you don't fly at all. If you're taking some medication, make sure you understand the medication. Uh, And and just because it's an over-the-counter medication doesn't mean it's okay to fly, you know, the same day or or whatever. You got to like think this through. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, There's some antihistamines that for some people makes them... Really drowsy. I yeah. mean, like nodding off drowsy. Uh, interestingly enough, there are other people for whom that same antihistamine is like taking a hit of speed and will keep them wide awake and bouncing off the walls for hours. Yeah. Yeah, so and, and I pity those people because right. man, oh, if yeah. you're s- sick and you need something to clear your sinuses, but you need to sleep, you need to get rest so as your body can heal itself, and you take one of these puppies, and you're up watching Spin Coolly at 3 a.m. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, that, and that's that's never a good thing. Uh, yeah. We okay. Can't, we so. can't let that happen.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> so take a look at the carrot list. Like we said, be careful out there. Uh, finally. Um, what the heck happened in the district of columbia um so and this happened like just about i think it was the same morning that we've recorded the it last episode it was the episode, same morning we recorded the last but episode but we didn't know that it was happening when mm-hmm. we were recording otherwise we would have talked about it um they locked down the, Cong- the capital they locked down the white house they did all those kinds of things they apparently scrambled some fighter jets um but there was nothing do we know yet have they officially said what the nothing
2: was There's suspicions. The last I read, and I'm looking at it again right now. Yeah, was that the uh, the uh, radar detected a a large flock of birds? There you go. That shows up as as an aircraft, and that's not the first time that's happened. Uh, And that does happen. My controller friends here locally tell me that happens with some regularity uh, around here during the fall and spring migration seasons. Uh, But since we're not in a uh, no-fly zone here, uh, it generally doesn't cause a shutdown, a lockdown, scrambling of fighters or anything else. It may cause some extra coating on your vehicles parked below the flight (laughs) path, but but that's that's not a, a safety of flight issue. Yeah, okay. So uh,
0: it, it turned out to be a false alarm. There's really no story here, right? No. Well, it's, it's, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, for anybody living in the in the D.C. area and flying in the D.C. area, as I have been uh, in the past, it's always a story. Uh, it's always a um, um, now-what-have-they-done kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people... Um, are of the opinion that the whole thing's a joke anyway. Um but um yeah, it's it's interesting if if only from the standpoint that we're reminded that the DC area, <clears throat> excuse me, DC area is um uh kind of a um a bastard child when it comes to
0: airspace. <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to say. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh
1: a redheaded stepchild of of of, of I- airspace.
0: Yeah. Of course my first my first response to when I heard this story was to ask yeah, Yes yes does yes, anybody know where the Smoketown 152 is yes. and, uh, <laughs> uh and uh, Which, so near as I can mate, tell by the way the Smoketown 152 is no longer in the eastern half of the United States I, I, it, it got so so the Smoketown for a long, not long-time listeners Smoketown um 152 is Smoketown uh, uh, Pennsylvania yeah is is an airplane that was based at Smoketown Pennsylvania airport um and is notorious and somewhat legendary for being maybe the only aircraft that busted that uh airspace twice uh and uh with different pilots with different pilots <laughs> and, uh, survived. And, and survived and survived right um and uh and I, I actually followed it for a while. I had it under on my FlightAware subscription, so every time it filed a flight plan, I would see it. Um, but I haven't seen it in a long time, and we know it was up for sale a bunch about f- four or five years ago. And 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 I haven't seen it pop up on FlightAware in quite some time, which makes me think that
2: that it's um, that its N number has changed, yeah. um, because, Or they they use the option to block their number. Uh
0: yeah, I guess that's possible. I know I oh, it's exact...
2: yeah, definitely possible.
0: I, I mean, it is possible. Uh, I know it's physically possible. I, I'm not 100% sure how that works these days with ADS-B mm-hmm. because uh, FlightAware is showing us flights it, it, now that… It, it not... depends is the quick answer, but yeah. it, it depends on the type
1: of ADS-B out you have. It's doable um, for all, all types.
0: Right. Okay. In any event, as near as we can tell, it was not the Smoketown uh, 152 that caused this uh, excitement. It was in a DC. flock of
1: birds. Yeah, it was
0: so. It's, it, it's and, and and all things considered, it's now satisfying. It's kind of comforting to know that our nation's capital is safe safe from safe from, s- from sparrows. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So well, I
2: found this this little bit from the drive kind of interesting. Uh, and quoting from a story. On a site called The Drive, quote, the entire detection period of the mirror track only lasted a number of seconds before the radar picture returned to normal. Those directly operating the radar system knew close to immediately that it was just a glitch slash anomaly. But in those few seconds, other operators were looking everywhere on camera for anything they could find. And the incident was escalating up the command and control ladder and that's kind of like pulling the trigger on a gun. Once it gets started, it's yeah, yeah. easier to let it run its course than it is to try to stop it. Yeah,
1: it's a runaway freight train at that point. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, um, but, uh, you know, I don't know what that all says. You know, I'll, I'll let other people um, um, in their own podcast um, talk about what all that says about the mechanisms and the system and the accuracy and, and – uh, the likelihood of any sort of real threat uh, in that arena, um, and I won't even talk about you know what um, um, some friends of mine and I planned years ago. But uh, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it involved a weather balloon and a twelve volt battery and a uh, transponder.
0: I see. Okay. Oh boy.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh boy. We got oh boy. fun now.
0: Oh boy. All right. Um, well, thank yeah. you guys. It's always a blast. Good talk to you. Get together and, and chat. Uh um and uh you know, regardless of the weather situation, Jeb, it's always good to hear from you. Uh yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Jeb, <laughs> Jeb Burnside uh, is, a, uh, is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, what have you been working on?
1: Um, well, I just put to bed uh, the, uh, the January issue of Aviation Safety, so uh, that should be on the streets uh, another week or so. Um, some interesting stuff in there. I, I did a piece on uh, the kind of stuff on the airplane that you can break. Um, cool. Um, you, in, you, if the need arises, so
0: to speak, you should yeah. break, or you can. You break. can break.
1: Uh, oh, okay. the, the point being, um, um, you know, for example, um, the uh, the crosswind limitation is not really a limitation.
0: Oh, I that kind of break. That kind. I, I of thought break. you were like, you know.
1: Well, th- then, then you know, we can always break. You know, if we're in an emergency and we're in a, in a steepening spiral or we're in a thunderstorm or something like that, um, we can always put the gear out in a retractable. Yeah. Okay. To help stabilize the airplane, even if we're above the gear no, speed. No. That is an interesting. Story. Okay. Yeah. That is so, and, and then there's the vertical speed indicator. If we even have one in our airplanes, and we're we're concerned that the static system is jammed up, or is blocked, we can break the VSI. And you know things like that uh, uh, was, okay. was was part of the, the point all of the right. article interesting yeah, yeah. 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 so yeah. stuff and, stuff and, we like, can break is stuff the, we can
0: break, yeah stuff we can break yeah. uh, where can people find out about you and all this stuff on the internet
1: Aviationsafetymagazine.com dot com is a great place to start um, you might want to look at uh, aea dot net for some things i 've been doing for for the aircraft electronics association. Uh, you might want to look at uh, generalaviationnews.com for, for some things I've written for that publication. And uh, also avweb.com, which uh, uh, a lot of stuff there I've written over the years or edited over the years. And uh, they also pick up the occasional piece from uh, from Safety and republish it. Cool, cool. And where
0: can people find you on the Twitter?
1: On the Twitter machine, Burnside J.
0: There you go. There you go. And the magazine I believe is Av Safety Mag. Um,
1: Av Safety Mag on Twitter, yes. On the Twitter. Yeah.
0: I wrote it down because you apparently don't have it written down. I don't I, have
1: it written down and I I, <laughs> I have to go refresh it, shall we say. I
0: understand. Yes. I understand. Well, that's great. And Dave Higdon, Dave's an aviation photographer and aviation journalist
2: and the US editor for London's Av Buyer Magazine. David, what have you been working on? Well, I've been working on st- stuff going into new year, I'll take uh like Chubb, uh, but Well, point out that uh, something current is the latest issue of uh, Avionics News Magazine. Uh, And uh, I'm uh, happy to say that uh, I wrote uh, this month's cover story on flying with Garmin's Autoland system in a uh, Piper M600. Uh, Oh, okay. And uh, so you can read about how that system works. The link will be on the uh, uh, in the sh- in the show notes. In The show notes, yeah. Uh, you can find that as Jeb noted, AEA dot net, and click on publications. And there's a link to Aviation uh, Avionics News. You Click on that. You click on the uh, window on the cover that highlights that story, and it takes you right to that page. They don't even make you look for it. Uh, You can find that at aea.net, com for my business aviation work with those nice folks over in London. Uh, I'm Real Higdon on the Twitter machine, and sometimes I'm even real. (laughs) Uh, Very cool. Very cool. uh, Thank you. Otherwise, do a Google search, and remember that I don't play golf, and uh, my theoretical physics uh, knowledge is uh, totally theoretical. We could get, if we could
0: get you out onto the golf course though it would mess with people's minds. I think. I, I
2: did play. Uh, I did play around once okay. on my daughter's wedding day back in uh, Germany, nineteen ninety. Okay. Anyway, I shot one hundred and twenty-one. There you go. and hey, I my only, kind of score, right and there. I, and, and I only lost four balls to the Ohio River because the golf course is right on the Ohio, <laughs> and. Uh, it, it, but those were all my longest drives were the ones yeah. that went into the river. <laughs> of course, yeah, because they float. Never mind. This is float after, after, uh, after. What's the word?
0: Float after carrier? It's a golf term. Uh, anyways, thank you, David. Uh, and I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. Uh, I just finished up a, a just a, a crazy period of six-week period of travel where I've been home like oh, less than – eight days in in six weeks so i'm just kind of enjoying being home even though it's cold and uh doing some stuff with the podcast oh, it's cold up there yeah oh. okay and uh um you know just trying to keep busy uh, playing around with my different projects uh, I, I if uh, for most of, well, obviously for that that period of time I haven't been able to uh, to exercise my my refreshed flying skills um, and then of course the weather got weird but I'm hoping in the next couple of days to actually go flying at the very least to do some pattern work um, maybe go someplace so I'll report back on that uh, cool. sometime soon uh, you can find me online in most of the usual places with the username Jack Hodgson that's my first and last name bumped together for example youtube jack hodgson twitter jack hodgson patreon jack hodgson on amazon you can search for around the field in the book section to see my ebooks and you can sign up for my email newsletter at jackhodgson.com uh, uncontrolled airspace is uh, online uh, uncontrolled airspace.com is our homepage, page uh, and on twitter uncontrolled airspace is class g airspace that's class the letter g and airspace hey david was there something you were going to tell us
2: Well, there's a good way to figure out why Santa's as old as he is, because he understood first of all of us that time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Merry, happy, ho-ho. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying.
0: TTFN.